I'm going to begin this in prayer and to see where it leads. Our Father, who is in heaven, we pray that you will allow us to experience heaven as it is, earth as it is in heaven, that you will use us to our absolute fullest in this life, that we may make you proud and seek after your will in your heart in all things. I pray that right now as I sit here in obedience, that you will allow me the space to do as you command, to speak through me boldly what it is that you want to speak, and to allow your peace to reign throughout this home, this neighborhood, this city, this world, for all those who are willing to receive it. I pray for those who will listen to this, that they may receive what you have for them. But as you speak today, that others will listen and receive freedom, that will have supernatural changes happen in their life, that they may be able to fulfill all that they feel that you are calling them to do and be strengthened so that the resistance doesn't stop them anymore that you'll strengthen their families and those around them, that they may not be stumbling blocks. And that miracles, people will begin to see and recognize miracles once again. That the supernatural will not be overshadowed by falsehoods and things that aren't real. That your understanding will spread and abound for those looking, searching, calling out, crying, even laughing, those who are wanting you. Thank you. Thank you for being a good father to the fatherless, a good father to those who hope and call out, a good father to all of your children. In Jesus' name, do I send this prayer up to you, Father? He who found a great pearl and gave all in order to, to obtain it, he who said that in his name you will do what we ask, he who in representation of this day was risen by you from the dead, to defeat sin and death for all of us, that we may live free and unafraid. I pray this on behalf of everyone in this whole world, especially those who feel like they do not have a voice, those who are under the weight of oppression of any form, those who are hurting, and those who need help. I pray all of this. Amen. So, hello friends. Happy Resurrection Sunday, or as others call it, Easter. I woke up this morning feeling a very strong desire to do a podcast today and 
once again, I am not sure where it's going to go. This has not been scripted. Um, I'm not even sure um, if it's going to make it to production, but God knows. So I am here in obedience and not letting anything get in the way. And so um, I'm glad for those of you who are listening. I am so glad that you're here. It means that you are supposed to be here and know that you are of great value. I spoke a, a prayer uh, to, before I started here, and, and I might not include it. I'm not sure I have to pray about that. But um, as I was praying, just praying for the world and each individual, and um, one of the things that I prayed about uh, or mentioned was the story of the Great Pearl. Um, and for those of you who don't know that story, it's lovely. Um, I cannot actually tell you where in one of the Gospels it is, but it was something that was spoken by Jesus um, as an example of what was to come, an example of, of how loved we actually are. And, and if you Google, um, you know, the pearl, uh, the parable of the pearl, great price, um, you will find it. Um, but essentially it, it speaks of uh, a... Um, someone who essentially goes, I think it might have been a gem hunter, but um, they went and, and found a, an amazing pearl they'd never seen before, very unique. And they went and gave up everything. I mean, went broke <laughs> to essentially go and obtain this pearl. And, you know, it's, if, it's, if it's something you've heard before, um, and if you're like me, sometimes, you know, we, when we've heard something, we tend to go on autopilot and maybe even think on other things because we we say kind of we've heard this before, nothing really new. I actually heard um, is Derek Prince actually do a a teaching on it, and um, saw it in a way I'd never seen before. And it's so neat how when you really think about it, familiarity can sometimes end up being an enemy of of, of new understanding and new learning and. And, uh, and appreciation for things, uh, not intentionally, but it tends to kind of happen when you've heard something over and over again. It can lose, kind of loses its shine if we're not careful. Um, but one of the ways that he explained it was, you know, to put ourselves in those shoes and let's say, you know, um, someone we live with or uh, someone, you know, uh, whom we share some sort of uh, household or, or whichever, but let's say, you know, that person goes and and comes back home one day and says, um, you know, we have to sell everything because I found this pearl or I found this gem. I found something very special. And, I mean, how would you feel if <laughs> you were sitting at your home and, and your parent or your spouse or your roommate came and said that they sold not only their stuff but your stuff too? And they're like, oh, in the house we live in, we don't have a place to live in. Oh, the car, that's gone too. <laughs> Oh, and then your clothes, yeah, you don't, you don't have those either. And so when that was explained in that way, it really goes to show, you know, what it means to literally go broke in order to obtain something that is of great treasure. And that parable was spoken to allow us to see just how precious we are to God, to, to, to our Creator, and uh, what He is willing to do to help us, to save us. It, it, what, what is extremely interesting, and these are things that I just think about from time to time, is you know some of the struggles that 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 a lot of people, and you know my experience and and others that I've spoken to, is a sense of self worth and value. And I've I've done a podcast on this um, some maybe some years like a year or so ago about our self worth and value and how that really comes under attack uh, 
for a lot of us. I mean, if we were to poll every single person in the world, I mean, I would not be surprised if each person in this whole world at some point has had their self-worth and value attacked at some point in their life, oftentimes in childhood when we're most vulnerable, but also, you know, most apt to essentially take whatever we're fed because we're so hungry, because we're growing at an exponential rate when we're children and not just our bodies, but everything about us. And so um, attacks that happen to us in that time of any sort tends to have a great impact on who we are to become as we grow um, into our adulthood. But the, and, and an attack on self-worth, and as well as you know, the result of that attack varies uh, greatly from person to person. But um, this particular parable tends to really lay out how special, I mean extremely special, each and every single person created is to their creator. And it's very easy to dismiss that, you know, um, and to not really let that sink in because we're usually used to just hearing a bunch of negative and negatives. And (laughs) I mean, I was thinking about this. I mean, how, you know, when someone says, hey, does that taste good? We'll say, oh, well, it's not bad. Or, well, it's (laughs) always kind of from the negative perspective. And so we're always kind of looking and expecting that. So when someone comes and says, you are of great value, there's already been work done within us that makes it hard for us to receive that and not think that one it's it's being sarcastic and two if we receive it that maybe we're we're being prideful or um we're, we're letting ourselves that they say don't get a big head but let me give you this compliment so it's like everything that's sweet's also given with a bit of vinegar it seems right so you know you they say you get you catch more flies with honey than vinegar which is a very interesting statement but point is, is why is it that we can't just receive something sweet without something sour to accompany it? Um, something to think about. And what would happen if if we, not only for ourselves and, and our interactions with other adults, but about other children or, or even our pets, you know, these are, you know, living things that have feelings as well. You know, if we were to allow ourselves to express ourselves and also receive the sweet and to leave that sour where it is and not pick it up, I'm just wondering, you know, over time, how that might affect how we see the world, how we see each other, how we see God, um, the person and, and great person who's created us and all that is around us, and how easy would be able to see him. Because I know a lot of people struggle with that, you know, with if he's there, if he's there, they don't care, if he's there, where is he at? And there's so many things there. Um, which brings me to what really inspired me to do this today was I was thinking about today. Today is Resurrection Sunday, aka Easter, (laughs) and an assortment of all types of other names that it can accompany it. And what is interesting to me is I grew up in church. I was very blessed to have family members when I was very young that had us in church. Now, I didn't necessarily always want to go (laughs) to church at that age. It seems... uh, to be a common element that, you know, children, especially then, did not necessarily want to accompany their parents or grandparents or whomever to church. Uh, that's a whole other podcast. But um, but we were there. We were there every Sunday, and uh, we were. they didn't really have children's church like they do today. And so we were oftentimes in regular service with um, our parents or grandparents each Sunday. And at that age, I didn't always know what the pastor was talking about. Um, Sometimes I would, you know, busy myself with things 
and not really listen and just kind of spending the time, uh, passing the time away. Um, back then, the church we went to lasted for about two hours, and there were times where we had other church to go to, and we were church all day. So, um, so it is you know interesting to kind of you know think about that. And some of you listening may have some experience with this. Um, but it, what, what I thought about this morning when I was thinking about today and what today represents um, and means and what we are celebrating today, I was thinking that probably up until very recently, and when I say recently, maybe in the last few years or year or so, I always thought about Easter. And when I th- even today, when I think of Easter, the first thing that comes to my mind is pastels, bunnies, <laughs> and eggs. And um, all that comes with that, which is very interesting <laughs> when you think about it. Like, literally, that's my uh, free association um, with Easter. And I remember the first time I heard someone say to me, Happy Resurrection Sunday. And I thought that was very interesting. And I didn't fully understand, I mean, why they said that. Um, although, I, I mean, you know, I, when I think more into Easter, then I know, you know, what we're, what we're supposed to be also celebrating. But free association, it's Easter baskets and pastels. And this comes from childhood and that grass that comes in the Easter baskets. These are the things that I just free associate with, with Easter. And so as I've started learning more and more, I actually say it now as well because Resurrection Sunday has kind of gotten lost, you know, with with Easter. And um, it is an example of, you know, mixing linen and wool. And if you Google that in the Bible scripture, you can find where that talks about that. And, you know, when you think about that particular situation, it does. It, it allows for something that we're supposed to celebrate to get lost in the mire of, yes, very fun activities and things that the children absolutely love. But, you know, we go to service on Sunday and wear our beautiful dresses. That's the other thing, wearing a beautiful dress of pastels and colors. And then afterwards we eat a nice meal and maybe do some Easter egg hunts. And maybe the the, the pastor spoke about the uh, resurrection of Jesus. Maybe they didn't. But ultimately it's like, let's get the ceremony out of the way so we can have fun. It's actually very similar to how I saw weddings as well. Even my own was... Okay, let's get the ceremony over so that we can have fun. And um, really not allowing the, the beauty of what is going on to sink in and to, to really appreciate it. And that brings us to the question, why do we celebrate anything at all? And uh, one of the things that I, I comes to my mind and I think of is when I look in the Jewish community, which they are wonderful at celebrating and remembering. And if we look at their examples and, and ask ourselves, you know, why is it that, that they... And they have so many beautiful celebrations and so many things that they do. And what it is, is just, it's to remember. And if you learn a little bit about Israel's history, you'll see that it is completely filled with being saved and then forgetting they were saved and then going back to old habits and then getting saved again and then and so on and so forth within you know hundreds of years. And so these traditions that... Um, existed thousands of years ago are still celebrated today, which I think is quite amazing. Um, when you look at more historical communities that are still very much vibrant today, and we see, like, for example, Passover, which is also happening right now um, at this moment, was, you know, celebrated ever since, like, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. 
um, back whenever the pyramids, after they were built, essentially, or while they were being built, that when they were, the Israelites were saved from slavery and the threat of essentially being wiped out, they were saved and, and brought into being their own country. And they still, I mean, just think about this. I mean, we know about it in the background, but do we ever stop and really think about how old that tradition is and how very vibrant it still is to this day? It's amazing. It's amazing that it has made it so far into it. And, and even the things that we've known that has happened to this community to this day, that they still celebrate this. So that being said, that's happening right now as well. And Passover isn't called something else that has to do with bunnies or some other thing. Passover is Passover, and it's exactly what it means. It was the day that they were saved from essentially extinction, <laughs> or at least their, their, their children, uh, firstborn sons were saved from being, uh, being killed due to a plague brought on by the Pharaoh at the time. So it's very interesting that that has not been diluted all these years, whereas we look at us today celebrating Easter and many people who might not know, and, and I'm going to speak more for children because that was me, who didn't fully understand that it was Resurrection Sunday. I mean, I may have been able to say this is what they celebrate, but I might not have been able to say that if I were asked when I was a child on, you know, what does Easter really mean? I don't think it was really taught to me. And that brings me to my other point that I feel like I was supposed to really talk about today was not only up until maybe a year or two ago, I could not have explained what the gospel was. If someone had to come up to me and said, what is the gospel? I don't know it. I mean, I, I might have stumbled through, well, Jesus died on the cross. And I mean, why? I don't really know why that's fully important, but it is. You know, I, I would have been completely fumbling through that because I didn't fully know. And I, and I looked through my, you know, education, um, spiritual education as a child. And like I said, we were in church, but I didn't remember being taught just as I remember being taught like math and, and things in school. I didn't remember being taught these basic elements of my faith when I was growing up either. And, and I just wonder how many others um, have that same way of looking at it. And I have talked to people who have thought that as well and struggle with that and listened to some different talks that talk about that without that foundation and understanding when they, when, when a person becomes an adult and starts being faced with trials and, and different questions and things that, that don't get answered and they have no understanding and it ends up being very hard to believe in a God that allows for so many things to happen um, and, and all the other things that just essentially attack it. And a lot of people will fall away from their belief systems and it makes sense because there's not anything to, to, that's anchoring it. And I mean, if you have this big old ship on some water and there's no anchor held down, to hold it down, if a big breeze comes, the ship's gonna float away. That's what's gonna happen. Um, that's physics. And so, you know, if what we believe in is not rooted in something that will keep it sturdy when bad storms and winds and, and things come to try to wreck it or take it away, then that's what's going to happen. So um, I thought, actually, I thought it wasn't me. I felt extremely inspired. Inspired means breathed into that something outside of ourselves gives us inspiration, breathes into us these different things, and, and we become inspired to do them. 
And I felt a very strong urge to talk about the gospel as I have learned it and understand it. Um, and how I learned it. And I'm going to tell you, I learned the gospel from watching some children's shows. <laughs> and it was so clear. It, and this was like maybe two years ago where I sat and I watched it and I was like, it's like the light bulb came on. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so like I'd been sitting in church and I'd been reading this and that for years. I'd been in Bible studies as an adult doing bits and pieces. But spending that time watching these children's shows that activated all of that stuff to where now it's all connected. Now I understand. And so before kind of getting into Resurrection Sunday, I'm going to talk about the gospel, which brings it and ties it all together. Um, and I'm going to do it prayerfully. <laughs> so that whoever is choosing to listen and feels the call to listen um, will prayerfully receive that moment of whoa <laughs> everything just came so clear and um i encourage you to listen i mean even if if you don't believe in what i am talking about um i still encourage you to listen because it will help you maybe to understand people that you have in your life who do believe this and 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 why they do because a lot of times it's hard to explain and a lot of times it doesn't even come up i know for me i didn't really bring it up um in my comings and goings and you know, like I said, I've been in church since I was very young, um, and God's been a part of my life, even if I didn't fully understand it, since I can remember. So um, in a lot of my dealings with people, it wasn't something that I necessarily came up, although as I got older, I would speak more about all the miracles and the things that did happen in my life and that I knew happened because God had helped me and everything. And so that, that has you know become a part of how I explain things about myself, but never really spoke about like my faith or where it comes from or why or what does it mean. So um, the gospel. Well, um, I'm going to start at the beginning. <laughs> and in the beginning, as many of you have heard, God created essentially the place that we are living in right now and all the things that we are looking at, as well as um, us ourselves. He created all of these things. Um, in the very beginning, it was two people. Um, that is what the story talks about. And and um, it was perfect. He created a perfect, very perfect, balanced world universe. Everything was in perfect harmony and balance, which gives you an idea of the creator. Right? The creator will create based on who they are. When you think of art, right? The art and everything is going to be a reflection of the artist. So perfect, balanced, beautiful, gorgeous. Um, and he created... Two people that were created based on his image, which means, you know, and it is a reflection of who he is. He created these people and said, here, this is where you may live. And you may do all of these things. You may enjoy it. You may enjoy the fruits. You may enjoy the creatures that I have placed here, but you may not enjoy this one thing. And they were told, many of you know, not to eat from a particular fruit from the, the garden and... Um, it was said that this fruit was going to, if they ate it, would allow them, they would die and it would give them knowledge of good and evil and so on and so forth. And you can read this to see the specifics of what it says. And um, we all know that through the temptation of the opposer, accuser, Satan, devil, all those names belong to him, this one that's in opposition to God. And that's a whole story in of itself. But he comes into the garden and essentially tempts Eve. I mean, we all know this story to go ahead and 
and eat from that tree that that actually you know what God said isn't true and and uh, that's not going to happen and she should go ahead and do it anyway <laughs> and so she thought that that would be a good idea and she did and then offered it to Adam and Adam ate it and and this was the first sin the first and sin essentially means to miss the mark they were they were given a boundary and told not to to go beyond that boundary and they decided to go ahead and go beyond the boundary anyway so that was the first sin, as it is called, and because of that, um, they were kicked out of the garden. Now, what was explained to me that I didn't un- understand or know or fully get was kind of the, I can say the politics, right, behind it, the rules behind it, why that happened the way it did. Because it's not what God wanted to do, but it's what had to happen. And so if you have to understand the person of God, God is holy. Now, we've heard this. Um, it's interesting how we'll hear things over, like I said, over and over again, and it loses meaning. And remember, we never even understood the meaning in the first place. If you were to Google what does holy mean, and I mean holy from a sense of the, the original word, because remember, for, for those of us who don't speak Hebrew and or Greek and Aramaic, um, what we know to to be the Bible is in a translated version, translated a couple of different ways, times from original language oftentimes to Latin to old English to sometimes newer English and concepts and so a lot of it some of it, some of it can get lost a bit in translation so it does help um, to use variable resources in order to get a full meaning in our language which is something that I've done and it is available um, because we have things like the internet so um, so I highly recommend looking into, you know, the etymology behind the original words and, and what are the different English words that describe that and other uses in other places because it helps to give us a better understanding of these meanings. But anyway, holy is translated set apart for God, set apart to God. So um, if you were to use that in a, in a sentence, right, God is set apart for God or himself. The Israelites were holy people. Israelites were set apart people to God, essentially pulled and set apart for him. And because God is holy, he cannot be around anything that is not holy. That is, the, and, and what that means is anything that would miss the mark, anything that is not perfect. God is perfect, and he cannot be around anything that is not perfect. It's his nature. It's what he is. The, the best um, way I can explain this in the visual, for those of you who are visual thinkers or even critical thinkers, um, is if you think of... Um, magnetism and how the magnetic poles work or how that works it's it's the opposable force so when we do the wrong thing when we are acting in accordance to opposite of what god's nature is which is perfect so anytime we do anything that is wrong it essentially puts us as as opposition literally opposing to who god is and so if you think about it as force well when you take magnets and put them together that that don't stick together they push apart and so it's like we are, it's like a force field that happens. We are not able to come near to God when we are doing things that are opposite of who he is or doing the wrong things. And so because uh, Adam and Eve made the choices that they made, then they could not be in presence with God anymore. And another concept that I didn't know until further understanding more recently is that before they um, chose to do the wrong thing or chose to be disobedient and um, not listen, and, and they crossed the boundary they were asked not to cross, they actually walked with God. I mean, they were in full and complete relationship with him. They were near to him. He would be with them, and they were with him. 
And so because of what they did, like, it's like the rules, uh, the rules of of how things work. He could not, not that he didn't want to, but he could not be around them anymore because it was almost like being stained. Or like I said, the opposing force field was put there based on their choices. And that's a big thing, choice. It's always, we have free will and choice, which is a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing. And it's a beautiful thing that God has made it to where he nor anyone or anything else cannot force us to do something that we do not eventually choose to do. Now, they can coerce, they can threaten, um, manipulate, but ultimately we make the choice even you know, if it's a choice we don't want to make. So nothing can actually, think about it, take your choice away. Now, choices that we make could essentially take other choices away. You choose to break the law, then that can put you in a situation where um, it limits your choices, but ultimately it was your choice to do the thing you were doing. Now, sometimes others' choices can put us in situations where we are innocent and uh, you know limit essentially our choices, but ultimately we have the power to choose, to say yes and no to things, and that includes belief systems and all of that. So just keep that in mind. So here we are, poor Adam and Eve have now been kicked out. And they're um, having to deal with the consequences of their actions, which means now they will die. They will not live an, an immortal life. And now that sin has entered the world, everything is now starting to die and decay. The world is, has begun at the process of passing away. And it will take, I don't know how long it will take, but essentially, you know, fruit dies, plants die, we die uh, eventually. And so that's kind of when that process started of death. Death enters the world and now everything's headed in that direction at varying times. And so at this point, the the relationship between God and his creation has been ruptured. There is a chasm now in between him and and the and his children. And so um in that moment and probably before because God knows everything, he made the choice to start with their, it was beautifully called a rescue plan to rescue us from sin, from death, from our bad choices, um, and to help us. And so it, it was it took a long time to enact it, but he created a plan to bring us back into good relationship with him. And to understand that, how that works, is to go back to what we were saying earlier, where God is perfect and he is holy and he cannot be around us if we are not perfect and holy. And as all of you who are listening know, that's impossible. (laughs) It is impossible for us to meet that standard. No matter how good of a person we think we are or or the good choices that we do make, we do not make 100% of the time good, perfect choices every single time perfectly and consistently that is just impossible for us to do so and god knows that and so um, as a part of his rescue plan he had to make us reconcile to himself knowing that it is impossible for us to be perfect we will continually be separated from him because of our choices no matter how hard we try uh, we will never be that perfect good standard you know if we don't lie but we think of lying that still crosses us out if we, I mean, just anything you think of, there's no varying degrees to get to God and what is right and what is wrong. It's either all wrong or all right. And we don't, we're not able to meet that standard. So that being said, you see that he created the um, Israelite people, a group of people that he essentially created as a holy people and gave them his law. 
to keep and say that I want to be able to be with you and I want you to be with me. And so in order to do so, here are the things that you're going to have to do in order for us to be together and to be in good relationship with each other. And so the Israelites took to trying to do that. And as um, anybody who knows the story for hundreds of years, it was essentially effort and trying and failing, trying and failing, trying and failing, trying and failing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And ultimately until Jesus was born. And so a lot of people will ask, you know, why, if God knew all that was going to go on, why is it that he let it go on as long as he did? And um, we need to know our need. Because a lot of us, even today, sometimes will think that, well, we can get it right. I just have to try. I just need to know the parameters. I just need to know the rules and I'll follow them. And ultimately, we might do well for a little while, but ultimately we cannot do that perfectly forever. And it's exhausting. <laughs> and so the law uh, was an example of that. You know, when God gave the, the Israelites the law and said to keep these commands so that things will go well for you and that we can be together, they tried and tried and they tried so hard. They did and they couldn't. They couldn't get it right. So the rescue plan, right? The rescue plan's on the way. And for those of you who are familiar with the Bible, um, God is is so understanding to his people and to his children, and he knows how discouraging things can be. And so there was prophecy. There was there were things that people said to say, you know, God's coming. He's going to send help. He's going to send help. He knows you need help. Help's going to come at the perfect time. And so so that people who were struggling could know that, that they will not have to struggle forever and things were going to eventually get better. And so skip forward. Jesus is born. And um, there was, uh, as I say, prophecy, or and what prophecy is, is, is someone who is essentially uh, speaking about what's to come, to, to have some information about the future that's given to them by God or um, other means, but to know what's going to happen. And a lot of that was given to the Israelites ahead of time so that they would be prepared, so that they would know and also have hope that God knew that they were struggling and they needed help. So when Jesus was born, there were those who knew, like, okay, this is what God had promised us from before he's here. And there were those who knew the promises and did not believe that that's who it was because it wasn't what they had expected. Jesus came, even though it was prophesied, it was said that he wasn't going to be this king, but was going to be born essentially uh, not like a king is born, you know, in a lowly, humble way. He came into the world in a very humble, humble way. And and that is not what was expected, even though it was said ahead of time that it would be that way. They also thought that the person that was going to come and save them was going to be like a conquering king. And it also said that he was actually going to suffer, not be a conquering king when he came. So Jesus walked the, the earth and he spoke about who God is and he spoke about what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And he performed miracles and signs and and it was very attractive to people to come and learn more about this person who could do these things that they had never seen done before it was very uh, interesting he was like a celebrity there for a good while because of what he could do no one else could do and what he said made sense to so many people and again politics (laughs) lots of politics going on at that time as well at this time um, israel is um, being run by rome and um, Rome has placed uh, people in charge over, over those areas. 
And within the areas, though, they were very, Romans were very peaceful with the way they did things. Um, they did not want to cause like war. So they would allow people to, to practice their religions as long as they honored Rome, paid taxes to Rome, and didn't cause trouble and stayed peaceful. And as long as they stayed peaceful, then the Romans let them carry on their day-to-day business. And um, the Israelites, you know, still had their hierarchy of things, you know, where they had their religious leaders that were very, very powerful, important people within their community. And these leaders, based on the way the the law was set up in the beginning, um, were in charge of making sure that their spiritual condition was good and that they were right with God throughout the year. And they had a lot of political authority and power, and a lot of people followed them. And they were all kind of in, connected, in connection with each other. And without going into full detail, that's something you can look up for sure as well. But there's essentially think of politics, and that was going on at the time. And so within this climate, Jesus is moving around and, and speaking things about who God is. And the things he was speaking a lot of times was in direct conflict with what the spiritual leaders of the time were doing, which is very interesting because um, they're supposed to be in alignment with God's plan as well. But Jesus comes there and they're in opposition with who Jesus is. And Jesus spent a lot of time talking about that, <laughs> which definitely was um, was uh, ruffled a lot of their feathers. Ultimately, it is what ended up uh, causing him to be crucified and killed because they didn't like that he was coming in and the people were listening to him and following him and they were afraid that they were losing their power and authority over the people because this man came and essentially spoke in ways and could perform miracles and signs and and had a huge following. So they went about some very sneaky and devious ways to essentially um, get rid of him. And um, remember, you know, all of this was essentially prophesied or spoken of before that all of this would happen and needed to happen. Um, it was part of God's big rescue plan. So, you know, we, we're kind of skipping forward through this. Essentially, they crucify him and he dies. And the people who were following him were very confused. Like, this was going to be our conquering king. He was going to save us from the Romans. That's what they thought he was going to do. He was going to save us. It was going to be great. Even though he told them that he was going to have to die. They didn't quite understand. Um, and just actually before he was taken away and killed, they celebrated Passover. It was right around the time, actually, what we call Good Friday was during the Passover and when they were celebrating and um, um, having the Passover meal with Jesus just before he passed, where he, he said that he was the Passover lamb. And if you look up the story of Passover, you will, that'll explain what that means. But he was the Passover lamb, and that if you're going to compare that, when all of the, the Israelites were essentially, the, the firstborn sons were going to die, um, if they did not slaughter a Passover lamb and spread the blood over the doorpost so that when the angel of death came through, he would pass over their houses and would not essentially take the lives of their firstborn sons. But the Egyptians, who did not know about this, did not do this. And so as a final plague, uh, many of all of the Egyptian firstborn sons, and I think even the animals as well, passed away overnight, which is what was ultimately caused the Pharaoh to let them go. Um, he had lost his son. So skip forward, and Jesus is saying that he now is the Passover lamb and that his blood will allow them, everybody to be able to be saved. And from that, right after that, actually, not long, they took him and they crucified him. And I do believe that they still did not fully understand what was going on at that point. 
And so um, when he died, everybody scattered. They were afraid. They were like, you know, he's gone, and we don't really know what we're supposed to do now. We thought that he was who he said he was, and everybody was very confused. And the powers that were in charge thought that that they had essentially gotten rid of um, their problem. And um, they had people stand by the grave because they knew what the prophecy said. They said the prophecy that said that he was going to rise again, so they had people watching his grave. Um, his tomb, essentially, to make sure that no trickery was going to happen to to try to essentially bring back his authority and power, that they would make sure that he was he was done. So this is when Resurrection Sunday comes along. So three days later, there were guards, centurion guards at the tomb, and um, the stone was was rolled away, and I believe the guards ran or something. And when the the ladies came to take care of his body, they saw that he was gone. And then he sh- appeared to them, and he saw that the, he was risen. And it's very interesting how how this all goes about. And I've seen so many different shows and movies and things that um that talk about different things, especially ones where um it goes into uh, the reasonings and what's real and what isn't real. People who needed to prove that Jesus did not exist or wasn't who he said he was and things like that, but. Um, one of the big things that they talked about in the Bible was to prove that he was not a ghost, he was not a spirit, he was still flesh and blood, and he needed to eat. So these were things that he would say that the people were touching him. They saw the wounds on his hands, on his on his wrists, I should say. One of them put his fingers in his wound. They, they ate with him and drank with him afterwards. Um, that he was still flesh and blood, that he literally came back from the dead. <laughs> um and witnessed it, and then and, and that, that account, those four accounts in the gospel, talk about all that he, he appeared to many. There's many eyewitness accounts. Um, there is a movie, and I am not remembering which one it was right now, um, but there's one called Case for Christ that's amazing, where this guy, an atheist, set out to prove, disprove all of this, because his wife had an experience, a miracle happened, and it uh, brought her to faith. And because she was going more and more towards her faith, her husband took it upon himself. He was a reporter to try to disprove all of this. And so through the course of him trying to disprove it, he actually came to faith because he couldn't. So it's a really neat movie for those of you who feel the need to check it out, The Case for Christ. It's really good. But anyway, so, you know, eyewitness accounts, people who touched him, all of that, several, several different ones that cooperated one another that, that showed that um, people were saying the same thing, which is usually will we'll show when someone's doing an investigation what's true and what isn't. So he was risen from the dead. Well, he went through, he spoke to everybody. He, then he, he went to heaven to be with God, essentially, and said that he was going to send some help back. Um, I won't go into that part, but what I will go is say, what is the point of all of that, right? Like, you know, let's say that is true. Why is it important um, that this man died and then was resurrected to go uh, resurrected back to life and live with God. And one of the things that will help you understand that is kind of what we were talking about before, um, that the state of this world, it's dying, you know, that everything is, is essentially headed towards decay. And um, there's nothing we could do about it, you know, because we uh, in, entered in sin into the world and the world became more broken. It's more and more and more and more. Um, becoming that way and when Jesus came 
he was able, if you look at the signs and miracles he did, every sign and miracle he did was a reversal of the state of this broken world. So, for example, hungry people. He fed 5,000 people on, like, a, a couple of loaves and some fish and um, fed the hungry. So there was no hunger when he was around. Um, when someone was sick, he would heal the sick or heal um, an ailment they were born with that they thought they would have to live with for the rest of their lives. He could reverse that, heal it. No, you don't have to live with that. Um, when people died, I think he healed at least two but, uh, from, from death, brought two people back from death. And he said, I can reverse this too. So he came and had the power to undo and reverse all the things that were broken and messed up about the world that we live in. And he did it before witnesses and did it for people who thought that they were going to have to live the way they were living forever, that there was nothing they could do about it. They were essentially a slave or stuck in this situation with no hope. And so he came and said, no, that's not true. There is hope. And let me show you there is hope. And that was huge. And when he died, he took on all of the things that we've done or will ever do in this world and he died doing that so that we can be forgiven. So if you remember when I had mentioned that this world is a broken world, that because we sin, we are separated from God. We cannot be near him because he's holy and we, it's impossible for us to, to be perfect in order to be with him. And what I did not mention was the cost of sin. Cost of sin. When, when we do the wrong thing, according to the way the rules are set up in this world, the way it was made, um, is death. When we do the wrong thing, and you know, some people think like literal death, and it is literal death as well, but let's just make it something that's a bit more easier for understand. You know, when you do something wrong to a friend or somebody you care about, it kills your relationship with them. I mean, it's just that is the outpouring and the outfall of, of a choice that way. When we hurt someone, then it kills a lot of times some of the things that are going on in their life and causes them to struggle. It's just a, a, a whole lot of very unfortunate things come from us doing things that are harmful and wrong and crossing boundaries we shouldn't cross. And so that's um, a, an easier, more, more um, relatable way to look at it from the, the larger sense that we cannot be with God. And so if we die without being reconciled to God, then we don't go be with him, but instead we go to a place that is of death and separation from God and darkness and not a very good place. And not because God wants to send us there, but because we can't be around him if we die in that state. We die in a state of, of, of crossing boundaries and doing the wrong things. And so God said, okay, well, I'm going to do something about that for those who are wanting to do something about it. And so that's where his son comes in. He sent his son here, and his son took on all the punishment of all of the things that we have or will ever do for everybody who has or will ever exist in this world so that they have the opportunity to live a free life and to be with God one day. And to be with, actually, I say that's actually not true, to be with God today and tomorrow and forever. Um, one of the things that I, I also think that kind of happens within those of us who've heard this, those of us who have been in church, who who do um, believe in these things, is we think that we're having to kind of endure a lot of pain and suffering and waiting until Jesus comes back or until we go to heaven. But that's actually not what is written and what is said. Um, if we are to 
believe what is actually said. It says that we can experience heaven here on earth, which might sound very strange. But when you look at Jesus's ministry when he was walking this earth and his example, when he was healing the sick, raising the dead, feeding the hungry, he was essentially showing us what heaven looks like. In heaven, there is no sadness, there is no hunger, there is no death. It is a lovely, beautiful place where it is full of light and love and joy. And there is no sadness. There's no need for sad tears. And so he says with him, we can experience a bit of that here. And I can say personally, I, I have seen that. It doesn't mean that I don't cry and don't feel sad and haven't had horrible things happen to me. But I tell you, friends, I have had peace. And I have seen God show up for me in places where something bad should have happened to me. And I have experienced his love in a time where I was told that I was worthless and, and felt like I was worthless. And, and, um, and, he, was, and he told me that I wasn't and I believed it and, and I was pulled from that darkness and, and in light. So it is difficult to explain, but I do believe for those who want to understand it will receive understanding because it is a supernatural thing. It's not something that I do in my own ability or power. It's something that God does with his infinite power for those who are looking for it. So there may be some of you who hear this and and um, they're like, I don't really understand that. Um, and there are some of you that might hear it and it speaks to them at that moment. God's timing is perfect. My prayer is that any of you who do hear this will walk away with something that is helpful to you, whether it's you understand your Christian friends better, or you understand the Christian faith more, or maybe it causes you to have more questions that you want to go look into. The cool thing is, is however you feel about God, whether you love him or you hate him, he can handle it and he can handle your questions and your inquiry um, wherever you're at. That I know. And if you want peace, if you truly want peace, and I mean God's peace, which is an amazing peace. I should probably do a podcast on peace. It is an amazing thing. Um, then it is there for you. Um, he says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it will be open to you. And there'll be those who will knock and there'll be those who, who don't want to or choose not to knock. And that's, that's, that's the thing. That's their choice. But it is there. It is there for those who want it. Um, and I think that's a lovely and beautiful thing. It's not forced on you. It's not pushed on you. It's like here is an invitation to come to this party. And you can choose to accept the invitation or you can choose to decline the invitation. It's just, it's that gentle. It is that gentle. And, and it's really neat. And there are people who accept the invitation who change their mind. You know, it's not an easy road to walk, for sure. Um, and it's also written um, that narrow is the path to life and wide is the road to destruction. Um, it's a lot easier to walk one path than it is the other. But you will have peace in the other and help. So here we are, Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> and I uh, took took some effort to kind of explain the gospel as as I, it has been explained to me, and it, that is just really um, it's such a very heavy dimensional thing. And but my prayer is that what I did say and explain is in some way helpful to understand what it is all about and and what Resurrection Sunday is about. The reason why Resurrection Sunday is so huge is it says that we do not have to be under the, the, the strain of, of death and, and sadness. We do not have to live with it and, and be bullied. It's a bully. We don't have to be bullied by these things. Now, it doesn't mean that 
these things go away. The bully doesn't go away, but we learn how to have peace. We learn what to do, and we learn how to be joyful in the midst of it and experience, experience like what it would be like being in heaven while we're here still under the weight of a lot of these things that are still happening around us and to the people we love until ultimately things become settled. But peace, I'm telling you, my friends, peace is a, I mean, it is more precious (laughs) than gold. It really is. Um, Because with peace, you can do so many different things um, than with a lack of peace. And so I pray peace. I pray peace on each one of you who are listening to this. I do. I pray that even at this moment, you get to experience just a little bit of it. So much so, just enough to where you want to look more for it a bit more. I pray peace on your families, wherever you are, on your community, wherever you live, on your calling, on your the work that you are to do in this life so that you may do it with joy and, and love. And I heard something beautiful, and I'm going to leave you with this, is that the mark of a Christian, and this is something that we struggle with. Um, we've got, I, I, I had did another podcast about the, the bad PR. But the mark of a Christian is supposed to be that of love. When someone thinks of Christians, they should think of love. That should be completely synonymous with that. And that's not the case, and for good reason. But that's not what it's supposed to be, friends. And so... My goal for myself and anyone that I'm raising or around is to show that love and to encourage that love in them and that light in them that they may choose, if they so choose, to do the same and and essentially, as some say, pay it forward as well. So that was my clumsy attempt that I'm prayerful that God is (laughs) going to bless and and make it a a great attempt for you that are listening to hear this. So happy Resurrection Sunday. And even if you're not listening to this, on Resurrection Sunday slash Easter, the thing is it doesn't change the fact, and that's like every day, (laughs) that's a celebration because every day the truth is there that we do not have to be under the weight of that bully anymore. That there's freedom and there is love and nobody can take your joy away should you choose to express it. And that I can definitely attest to personally. So you are so loved and you are appreciated and you are here for a purpose and a reason and you are valuable and you are precious. You are precious. Believe it. You are. You are precious. The God of the whole universe, your creator, created you specifically and purposefully and placed you here. He didn't have to. So I leave you with this. I love you. And you, yes, you, you are extraordinary.